Oh, Father, in the words of my brother Dane, all language dies away before your splendor. Amen. We thank you, Lord, that you cannot bear to hold yourself at a distance. And we are here right now looking at your gospel. And we ask you to disclose your all sufficiency to every viewer in your precious name. Amen. 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 Dane, I am so honored again to have you on. The last time we were together, I felt such a richness of the presence of the Lord on the word. It was amazing. So thank you for coming on again. Oh, what an honor and a joy, Eric. I love it. (laughs) So I picked the scripture for our time together. It's uh, Colossians Mm. chapter two, verse six. You know it well. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, Mm. so walk in him. We're going to look at Jesus today. And the means by which we're going to look at him is his great gospel. And as we and those who hear place our faith in him, we shall see with the eyes of our hearts. and We will bow low in adoration of him in humble, submissive love today. That's what we're looking for. So there's a uh, quote that you say, And I'm going to use that to jump off from you say, God is for me, utterly apart from me. Can you just talk to me a little bit about what that means? Oh, man, he is. This is the glory of who God is and how (laughs) how unlike me he is, Eric, that he's totally different from me. Now, hang on. Okay, we know God is holy. He's he's supremely, infinitely holy. We believe that. But what we then tend to do is he's. We think, okay, and because he is holy, he is way up there and he can kind of, you know, he can kind of, when he's having a good day, draw near to me, but it's a little bit difficult for him. But actually, one of the ways he is holy, one of the ways Hmm. that he is apart from me and different from me is the way that he is for me. I am not for my enemies. I should be. I, I stink at loving. God is not like me. He is totally, he's totally different than me in that he is for me. And I was a, re- a treasonous rebel <laughs> and he sent his son to, um, to, to, to bear my penalty. So uh, that's a glorious, comforting reality. You, you also said the Christian life is learning to base your growth on his love rather than his love on your growth. Oh, yeah, and we're and wouldn't you say, brother? We are hardwired to get that backwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, the way the way I'm rolling out of bed every day and going about my what like at reflex level, what I tend to think is that uh, his his uh, view of me is helped out by how I'm doing. His love for me, like he loves me, and then as I do well, ooh, then it really swells and grows and burns bright. Um, if that is the case, I quit on Christianity. I can't do that. Um, but what if I were able to get up every day and say, okay, um, irrespective of how I am doing and my performance and even my love for him, though that matters hugely, it doesn't trigger or affect or strengthen his love for me. (laughs) We love because he first loved us. So that's a vitally important um, order. So you say we're hardwired to, as you would say, try to strengthen the verdict that Christ has put over our lives. You quote Richard Lovelace uh, 
Great quote. I never heard it before. The life of a disciple is learning to base my sanctification on my justification rather than my justification on my sanctification. I know it may be redundant, but can you talk to me a little about what he's trying to say? Oh, it's such an important insight, Eric, um, and has really helped me. And I, I feel like a toddler in it. Um, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm stumbling my way forward, just beginning to learn this. But we're, we, we are spring-loaded to say, okay, my justified status before God is, um, is affected, for better or worse, by my sanctification. The vertical and the horizontal, the, the, um, my, uh, the verdict over my life we tend to think is um, materially sort of um, helped or hindered by my growth. But actually, not only is that not the case, the only way we, this is his great insight, the only way we will begin to really get traction Hmm. in our Christian lives is when we defy our natural intuition that we need to help out his opinion of us. And actually, he says it at some point in that book, he says we need to relax in that quality of trust <laughs> that says we are totally uh, totally justified apart from our present uh, spiritual attainments and performance. When I believe the gospel, that's when I start actually growing. Man, goodness. You, you had a specific experience reading the works of Martin Luther. Yeah. And you you said that you learned that idolatry is the flip side of justification by faith. And oh. you, you defined idolatry as misdirected trust. What does that mean? Well, I think we tend to think of idolatry as a matter of worship. And that's true. But in some of the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 115, it speaks of idolatry as a matter of trust. That's pretty imp- pretty interesting because trust is a is a justification um it's faith. It's a, it's a, it's a gospel matter. An idol is when we take any of the good things of the world is when you turn the gift, you, you turn the gift into being a giver. You take any of the good things of the world and you expect it to actually give you your sense of justification. So for example, preaching is a good thing. I like to preach each week. That's a good thing, but I make it an idol when actually I can get up Eric, here, here's how sick and weird I am. I can get up and preach a sermon that on justification by faith alone. Go walk down and sit in my seat again and then begin assessing how'd that go? And, and actually feed, feeding my sense of, of who I am, my like existential, do I matter? Am I okay? <laughs> by how I think that sermon went, in which I said, you can't do that. <laughs> The justification, here's here's the point. Justification is not just a matter for our conversion and our death. Not just a matter for um, getting right with God initially, and then the day I stand before him. It feeds me all the way along my Christian life because it it clears out all my pseudo idols, Uh where pseudo justifications, preaching, writing, human approval. What do people think of me? Finances, you know, looks, strength, whatever. And it says all of that, none of that is a, that's all sand, not rock as a foundation. And it says, you are justified based on nothing you bring to the table. So don't try to be um, strengthening your sense of, do you matter? Are you okay? What's the verdict over your life based on an idol? That will never satisfy you. Tim Keller says it won't satisfy you if you get it, and it won't forgive you if you fail it. It's a lose-lose. But uh, the gospel is not that way. 
So basically, as you said before in the past, the way I move forward in my Christian life is by enjoying the same gospel that got me in. Amen. That's what I you said. That. Yeah, you, you just said it in Colossians 2.6. Um, <laughs> Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. We rewrite over that. But look at what it says there, brother. Uh, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So don't move on to a different strategy. <laughs> the, the same way that you you absorb the question how did i receive christ jesus the lord answer with the empty hands of faith i received him i re i just said help yes i want it I, I need it okay in that way walk in him what a striking thing for paul to say and he says that kind of thing all over the place as you receive him so walk don't receive him and then try to walk in a different way that is so scandalous. <laughs> you quote uh, Burkhauer. I didn't know who this person was until I heard mm. you mention him. The heart of sanctification or development is the life which feeds on justification. It may seem redundant, but I feel I need redundancy in this area. As you have said in this in your book, Gentle and Lowly, the gospel, you're shedding layers by understanding the gospel. So can you talk to me a little bit about that? The heart of sanctification or development is the life which feeds on, feeds on justification. Yeah, yeah. In another place in, in that book, it's called, uh, it's called Faith and Sanctification that mm -hmm. Burkhauer wrote. Burkhauer was R.C. Sproul's doctoral supervisor. So if you're, your listeners are, might, might have heard the name R.C. Sproul, he's just a reformed Dutch theologian, uh, Burkhauer was. Faith and sanctification, in another place in that book, he says, um, uh, the way we grow, the way we strengthen, mature, grow in godliness is by doing commerce with, really interesting, commerce with our justification. So what, what he's saying there is, okay, if you guys, here's Dane going through life, sinning and stumbling and up and down and fickle, and I, I, I'm just, I, I need to grow. Okay, Dane Ortland needs to grow. How is that going to happen? What is the strategy, Professor Burkhauer? His answer to us is, the way you grow is not by being thankful for your justification, but then moving on to new strategies and ideas. Mm. Rather, the way we grow is by sucking on the same justification. It's by feeding on. It's by mm. doing commerce with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's by going back to and as you said a minute ago, brother, actually dropping down deeper into what it means that I, that the, that I am invincible, that no matter what, because Christ has justified me, uh, because his grip on me is stronger than mine on him. Um, I'm actually invincible. I can go through my life. And oh, Eric, here's the thing. It means not only, not only do my sins not condemn me. That is true. Not only do my sins not condemn me, it also means that none of the good things in life um, have to be things that I go to in order to be okay. So I'm free. I'm free because I am justified. Um, I am, uh, I'm free from all that. It's a, you know what, brother, I latch onto this for about 15 seconds at a time. Right now, right now, you and I are kind of aglow to this reality because we're talking about it. But mm. I'll get off this call and I'll walk down the hallway and I'll get a drink. And before I know it, I'm lapsing back into actually justification by any number of idols, performance, works, what people think, whatever. 
And so I've got to come back to it. So we just have to keep pressing refresh <laughs> on this glorious truth time and again. How would you define for those that don't understand the word justification? What would you how would you give that in layman's terms to somebody? Uh, John Murray, the old theologian, said that regeneration or new birth is God as the surgeon. <laughs> justification is God as the judge. So you're not you're not in a medical context. You're in a courtroom. <laughs> justification is God looking you and me in the eye and not winking at our sin, not ignoring it. He knows he knows it way more deeply than I do. I see probably two percent of it. Or if he sees all of it, he looks us in the eye and he says, I am right now, wham, bringing my gavel down over your life and declaring acquitted, innocent, you may leave the courtroom. You may leave the courtroom, even though on your own steam, you are guilty. You are guilty. He's not saying, oh, I see. I see you have good excuses for your sins. You grew up in a bad family. I can see, I can understand that. Therefore, you're free to go. No, he says, your sin is more heinous than you know. And I am declaring you righteous, acquitted, legally free to leave the courtroom um, because of what someone else has done in your place, namely my own son. And here's the thing, brother, we, we are walking courtrooms. We are walking around all day long and we're pinging back off of other people. Um, and what they think of us and what we think they think of us. We're amassing a sense of ourselves and our identity. And we're a walking courtroom. And we, what, what, what justification does is it says, you may step out of that way of being. Mm. <laughs> Only the gospel does this. No other religion does it. You may step out of feeling like there's a, a hanging judge over you, namely your spouse or boss or friends or Facebook people or whatever. You can step out of that and breathe so justification is legal acquittal by god the judge because of what christ bore in our place praise god and praise god indeed would you say that justification is the doorway through which a man receives the spirit absolutely you can't have one without the other mm -hmm. i believe um <laughs> god gave us two great gifts his son and his spirit and the two, the two come together. You can't have one without the other. And so, yes, justification is one of the supreme benefits of the gospel. And what, what, here, here's the way the New Testament speaks, Eric. If you get into Christ, if you get united to Christ, 143 times, something like that, Paul says, in Christ, in him, in Christ. If you get into Christ, then you get all the benefits that Christ has. One of them is justification. Another of them is the Holy Spirit. Wow. Adoption, reconciliation, purchase, liberation. There's all these benefits. And two of them are, uh, are justification and the Holy Spirit. So they come together. We get everything or nothing. Wow. Yeah, so it's glorious, yeah. You quote Chalmers in that probably one of the greatest book titles I've ever heard, The Expulsive Power of a uh -huh. New Affection. Yeah. The expulsive power of a new right. affection. I mean, that's Ezekiel 36, 26, all day I'll give you a new yes. heart. So yes. you quote him in saying, uh, the freer the gospel, the mm -hmm. more sanctifying the gospel. Yeah. That literally goes against re religious minds. Yeah. 100%, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. What, what we tend to think is the less free the gospel, the more sanctifying. In other words, we tend to think, 
the more rules, the more the pressure's on. I mean, just look at the way we naturally parent. Mm-hmm. Come on, get it, get, fly right, get get it straight. We tend to think that will that will cause change. It doesn't. It can it can cause behavior modification, but not mm-hmm. internal transformation. It can cause outside in change, but not inside out. And I I want my kids to obey me, not because I'm crowbarring them. Mm-hmm. I want them to change because of love. Mm-hmm. I want it to be inside out. And in, in the same way with God the Father, the freer the gospel. I mean, this is. Eric, this is all I'm trying to do each week. I'm trying to open up the scripture and I'm trying to say, hey, guys, with me, understand you don't believe how free the gospel is. Let's look at this passage this week to see just how free it is. And that's not antinomian. In other words, it's not like when people hear just how free it is, they're going to go live any old way. Um, that's not the, the that's not the healthy result of the gospel. If a heart that is open, like soil number four in Mark four, it produces seed 30, 60, hundred times. A heart that receives the gospel, that is open, that is desirous, that's, that's honest with itself, that receives a free gospel, hmm. that heart will, will be a sanctified and getting more sanctified uh, heart. You, you said a pep talk can only change what I do. It cannot change what I do love that Amen. seems to be the heart of the issue i was just reading second corinthians 5 before mm. we got on and paul talks about men who take pride in appearance rather than in heart and it seems like you're dealing with the heart issues correct exactly right brother um yeah we are um we're inveterate in our we, we have a, a, a way down deep um, uh, natural proclivity or um, sort of just we, we do this very, very intuitively, naturally. We assess how we are doing based on appearance, mm. based on um, how we are projecting to other people. And the gospel slices through that <laughs> and get to, uh, gets to where we are really at. Here's, here's how I would like to grow right now. I want to be a kind of man and pastor and father and husband who um, there's one of me, not two. Mm. There's there's the Dane on the inside and the Dane on the outside. Not the Dane on the inside, but then the Dane I'm projecting. <laughs> it's really hard. It's it's harder than we realize. <laughs> I want to keep growing and being integrated in that way. But I'm free to if the gospel's true, and the Holy Spirit's going to. This is part of His ministry. He helps me to be who I really am, which is a non-exhausting way to proceed through life. I love that. You said once here that righteousness is not self-generated and offered to God, but Jesus generated and offered to you. That is the complete opposite of what I thought originally when I first got born again in 19, uh-huh. yeah, 1992. That is self, it's not self-generated and offered to God, but Jesus generated and offered to you, do you feel like that's how Christ actually receives full glory in a man's life when he takes his hands off and trusts in him? I love the way you just put that. Yeah, I, I could not agree more, Eric. Um, there's a there's a direct correspondence between how free the gospel is and how much Christ is glorified. Mm. If he's meeting me halfway, if he's meeting me halfway, logically, I deserve some of the credit and glory. 
But if, if it's gospel all the way down, if it really is all of grace, um, if Colossians 2, 6 and 2 Corinthians 5 that you were just quoting is true, that's a, that's a, a message that is maximally, in fact, endlessly glorifying of Christ because it's, he did it all. So this is, this is the message you and I have for the world. You can lay down your arms and be embraced for free because of what Christ did on your behalf. Um, it really it is the one thing in, in this miserable world that sounds too good to be true. Um, and yes, it is maximally honoring of the Lord Jesus. So do you think that the way Paul preached the gospel that he had to deal with people who were trying to take advantage of this message. For instance, Romans chapter six, how shall we who died to sin continue to live in it? Yes. I, th I think that that is a true statement, brother. Um, I mean, Paul was facing different kinds of um, corruptions of the gospel there in Romans. Uh, he's just come out of Romans five and he has said, Where, however, however uh, much, sin abounded, grace hyper abounded, grace abounded all the more. And then he goes in and he, he's, he's answering the objection. Okay, then why shouldn't I just sin it up and sin as much as I can to make more grace abound? And um, actually Lloyd-Jones, the old British preacher, Martin Lloyd-Jones said, if no one ever, if we, if in our communication of the gospel, no one ever has that objection, we're not preaching the gospel like Paul, because it should, it actually should raise the question. Oh, then should I, should I just, throw, who cares how I live then if, if it's just going to cause grace to abound? But actually, what he goes to there in Romans 6, Eric, is what we were talking about a minute ago, union with Christ. He says, hang on a second. You can't accept this part of Christ, but not this part. If you're in him, you, he says in Romans 6, he says, you, you were buried with him. You died with him. You were raised with him. You're connected to him. He pulled you down with him, in a sense, into the grave and up into resurrection existence so that you can walk in newness of life. So, um, and then, of course, he goes into the Holy Spirit in chapters 7 and 8. So this is, uh, yeah, I, I agree with what you just said, brother. You, you wrote one time, the felt hug of God in Christ is the only thing that is going to liberate me to release my hold, hugging all these other saviors. <laughs> I, I will, I will grab onto something to save me. I mean, I, my, my hands will not stay empty. I'm going to grab something to feel loved and accepted and okay. <laughs> and I can either do that, receive that from the Lord Jesus and it will satisfy me or I can find anything else, even ministry. And it won't satisfy me. My grandfather was um, dying, lying on his deathbed. He, uh, he was a pastor for many years. And my dad was, going was a pastor and, and was going through a hard time in ministry. And granddad's final parting words on his deathbed to my dad hmm. were, tell Bud, his name is Ray, but he goes by Bud. Tell Bud, ministry isn't everything. Jesus is. Oh, so that's that's another way to put what you just said about what we are allowing to be uh, ourselves to be embraced by. So final thought that I'd love to hear your thoughts on. Yeah. You <laughs> you quote Edwards on the beauty of the Lord. You say here it is the loveliness of his heart. You said quoting Edwards sight of the divine beauty of Christ that bows the wills 
and draws the hearts of men. Just bef before we go, can you just talk for a second about this beauty that causes men's wills and hearts to bow? What is it? Well, Eric, I'll, I'll try to answer that, though I struggle to, because it's, it's something that's beyond me. You know, you can't like you can't you can't download this, you know, like put it on a three by five card and say, here, here are the seven simple steps to see Christ. Hmm. Uh, I, I will struggle to answer that. However, I would say, um, you know this, you get it, because I've gotten to know you a little bit. And I know that you you believe way down in your heart. It's obvious because it pours out of you that um, the, the most wondrous reality at the, at the center of the universe is a fallen human being like you or me seeing the beauty yes. of Jesus Christ. That's what your ministry is all about. <laughs> and I am, I am so thankful to be friends with you and to know you and to observe you from across the country, leading people into the very question you just asked. <laughs> you helped me to see it. <laughs> now to your question, I don't know. You, 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 you got you, you just have to taste. It's like the Psalm says, taste and see. Yeah. Like I, I can't, I, I, if my, if my wife, you know, she could give someone the recipe for mm. something that tastes really good, or she could give them a spoon and the finished product. Mm. And what we want is we want people not just to have the recipe. Actually, the recipe matters. Sound doctrine matters. Mm. You and I care about that, but it's not enough. The Pharisees had sound doctrine. But they were damned because they didn't enjoy the beauty that they were seeing in Jesus Christ. So um, the beauty of Christ is what bows the will, Edward says in that glorious quote. I believe that. In other words, um, you have to apprehend. You have to see him. The Holy Spirit does this. You open up your word. It's word and spirit together. Object mm -hmm. of subject. It's not one or the other. You, op you open up. It's black and white. These words on a page. <laughs> but this this will stay only words on a page unless the Holy Spirit is is setting is illuminating, setting it aglow for me. And you actually see Christ. He walked on the waves of the Sea of Galilee. He walks on the pages of the scripture. <laughs> we see him there. We see and we see him in his love and in the full the full panoply of all his attributes and grace and glory and who he is. And then we 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 see who he is, not just in the abstract, but for me. The whole scripture is saying, here's who Jesus is for you, Dane. Not once you start getting better, but when you're in the pit. In fact, Thomas Goodwin would say, when you are sinning most, he is loving most. Wow. So it's not like he, he begins to love you once you begin to get better. And, and you see him in the scripture. So I don't, I, I struggle with it partly because I'm still learning what this is to see the beauty of Christ. Um, I, I am, I am in a development journey here. Um, and partly because it's a little bit elusive to articulate. It's kind of like, you, you can't quite describe it to someone who's not experienced it, but you know what we're talking about. And I would just encourage people just open up a Bible and say, God help Holy spirit, help me, help me. I don't understand so much. In the, there's still so much in the scripture. I don't understand, but he will honor and meet that prayer request. And I, I just uh, encourage your listeners to keep going and not give up. That's beautiful. You reminded me, Charles Spurgeon said, if I had an angel's tongue, I could not give color to Christ. That's same, wow. same spirit. Amen. But Ruth Paxson wrote, he conquers our wills by melting our hearts. 
yes. conquers our wills by melting our hearts. Would you just pray that the Holy Spirit would melt people's hearts? Let's, let's pray right now. Father in heaven, this is true. Our wills follow our hearts. Our actions follow our hearts and what we love. And we pray right now, Eric and I, along with anyone who is listening, um, we pray for softening and enlivening and yes. illuminating of our fallen hearts. Father, we can't get our hearts to wake up on our own. It has to be the divine surgeon doing this to us. But we, we want it. We say right now, we yeah. want it. <laughs> we want to want it more. Yes. But we do ask for your, um, your healing, comforting, consoling, educating, instructing, forgiving um, uh, mercies to be upon every listener as they are right now pondering their own walk with you and uh, we pray that you would grow and help and, and heal them and just let them know of your endless love for them proven in the lord jesus christ whom we love and cannot wait to see in his mighty merciful name amen amen